Welcome to Getting Through It, where we're here to help you get through it. I'm John Bueri, and as always, I'm with the lead scientist on three disaster scenarios, Dr. Lucy Jones. Today's episode is sponsored in part by SoCal Gas, who's committed to building resilience in the communities it serves. We also thank our individual supporters who help underwrite the work of the Dr. Lucy Jones Center for Science and Society through Patreon. Would you consider sponsoring this podcast for as little as $5 per month? Because your support enables us to serve even more communities. Simply go to patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, and search Dr. Lucy Jones. Now let's get to it. One of the most frequent questions Lucy and I get when we're talking to people is, what will happen? And then they insert after the big earthquake or when there's a large fire or during a tsunami. People want to know from us what's going on and what's going to happen to them in a disaster. And over the years, at least for me, I've always given people the story of what happens because that's what I remember and relate to since I'm not a scientist. And that comes, Lucy, from the work you started with me back in 2007 when we first started working on what was to become the shakeout scenario. Scenarios are pretty powerful tools if they're used. And we started creating disaster scenarios because we could see how the information we had about disasters wasn't being used. As a seismologist, I know a lot of things that could happen in an earthquake, and I could see how easy it would be to prevent them. Why wasn't it happening? Why weren't people doing something about that? And that's the big question when we were working on the shakeout scenario. How do you use it? All this great scientific information, but how does a decision maker, a policymaker, an emergency manager use the information provided? There are a lot of individual pieces of research, facts, and statistics that are often provided to these folks, but how do you make it useful and not just isolated facts and figures? Well, that's what we were coming to realize in that process. We talked to emergency managers and land use planners and said, what is it you want from the science? And they said, I know I need to get ready for a big earthquake, but I don't know what I'm getting ready for. Please give us a scenario so we plan for the right thing. When we started on that, we actually thought, oh, Lord, this is going to be boring. I mean, just putting together a whole bunch of stuff. But in fact, it turned out to be a pretty exciting piece of research because it wasn't just pieces ready to be put together. There was a lot of work in how to integrate it. And in fact, what we were integrating was what we called a plausible picture of what was going to happen. Too many people hear about a scenario and think it's a prediction of a particular event that's going to happen at some particular time. Instead, what it is is the scientist saying, well, we know when earthquakes happen, they're often like this, and we make assumptions to make it be one concrete thing. And essentially we say we're creating a plausible picture that we know in detail will never happen because we had to make too many assumptions about this particular event. Rather than saying this is an event that will happen, we say if this event happened, no scientist would be surprised. So what you're saying is it's a plausible scenario, meaning it could happen, but it's not a prediction. It's not exactly what's going to happen. It's somewhat confusing. I mean, even as you say it, I get a little bit confused again, even though I'm in the thick of it with you. How do you use a scenario then? How does someone who's not me, who's someone who's not working with you all the time, use a scenario when they see one? So this is a plausible look at what is likely to happen, something like this. And what the real important point here is to help you understand what's going to happen to you. One of the things of a scenario is that it's a narrative, it's a story, and that gives us an emotional connection so that you can think about what it means for you and what action is worth you taking. Look at the impacts. You might think, all I gotta do is make sure we have all these strong buildings and we're not gonna have any problems with earthquake, right? 
Well, no. When you go and look at the scenario and what turned out to be the biggest financial impact, it's the damage to the water system. So maybe your best investment is making sure your water company can really do something to strengthen their pipes. The point being is that you can make a more rational assessment of what is effective. You know, if you've got a scenario of both an earthquake and a flood, for instance, maybe you're going to find out your best investment is regulating what's constructed behind a levee rather than worrying about the earthquake. So it allows you to really compare pieces of information and help you make decisions. Because it talks about how it affects you. But I would think then it would be easy to have a bad scenario. I mean, we've talked a lot about the idea that sometimes you can find a conclusion that isn't as clear as it should be. When someone reads a report or even a newspaper article or a media report saying experts say, and they talk about the disaster, how do we know this information is reliable? There always is a report of experts are saying with something new. I mean, just like coffee's good for you one week and coffee's bad for you the next week. And that's the expert report. Well, I think the most important thing with scenarios is to make sure they're very interdisciplinary. Scenarios stitch together many different pieces of research to give you a comprehensive picture. And they're done by many different types of experts. I've seen scenarios that were done by engineers and they took some really basic earth science that really was not a good representation of that earthquake. And then they did great engineering analysis and dumped it out through some algorithm about economics that never talked to a social scientist. At a minimum, you need to make sure you have good earth scientists to be sure you are actually looking at what the earth is doing to you. You need good engineers who really understand how human structures respond to different types of natural phenomenon. And you need the social scientists to say what all of that will do to society, to you that has to cope with it. And you also have to figure out how to step from one discipline to another. That's probably one of the most challenging and exciting parts of scenarios. For instance, when we worked on the shakeout scenario, we were trying to put all these pieces together and we knew we needed to estimate what the liquefaction was going to be happening during the earthquake. Except we discovered that what was out there was just liquefaction susceptibility maps, which means this area has the type of soil that could have liquefaction in the right situation. And in fact, we needed to somehow put that together with what percentage of soils of this type liquefy when you have a certain type of shaking, as well as what's the groundwater going to be. And we ended up having to do a whole new suite of research to be able to come up with an estimate and actually had a pretty interesting result that if we're in the dry season in California, we've done such a good job of pulling down the water table, the level of liquefaction we're going to be suffering is less than it used to be. So we have to be able to make all of those connections between many different types of scientists. So where can someone find scenarios that they might want to be able to use for themselves? Well, a good scenario takes work and time. There are several state geological surveys have created them and sometimes some professional associations. What you need to look for is make sure that there were a wide range of scientists that were actually working together. And the best scenarios have the good research scientists because often the question is not completely clear cut and it can be hard to get good scientists, researchers to focus on a scenario. What gets in the way? Most scientists I have met want their scientists to be used. Here it is, it's extra effort to make a scenario. Well, we want our science used theoretically. The competitive structure of academic research is an inhibition to the use of science by the wider community. 
when a scientist is in an academic institution or a government lab, they are rewarded for individual scientific achievement. How many first author papers do you have? What awards did you get? And they're smart people and they respond to the systemic reward system. And that systemic issue says, we don't have as much value in these scenarios, in the group projects, in the ones that are focused on how it's used rather than on a new achievement. So why should our listeners seek out good scenarios? I see two important uses for scenarios. One is on the emergency management side. Like that emergency manager said to me at the beginning of this process, I know I'm getting ready for an earthquake and I don't know what I'm getting ready for. This will help you do a better job of assessing what you're really planning for. But the use I would like to see more of is actually how to prove the scenario wrong. I said we made a lot of assumptions in creating the scenarios. One of our assumptions is that society is going to be just like it is right now, that there won't be any repairs to the levees, that there won't be any change in the building code, that there won't be mandatory retrofit. All of those things would change the outcome. Many of the losses that are described in our scenarios can be prevented if you wanted to. You can't stop the rain or keep the earthquake from happening, but you can repair levees, you can remove critical systems out of floodplains, you can reinforce pipelines that cross active faults. Maybe not you individually, and as an individual, you can look at the predicted fire that follows earthquakes and get an extra fire extinguisher for your home. You can see what really matters in the preparation. With that said, Lucy, it's clear that using a scenario could make the difference in the way a community recovers, that resilience is based on taking action on the information that we have to address the critical issues that we will face in the next disaster, whether it's the earthquake, the wildfire, the tsunami, the drought even. We can know that these things are going to come and they're going to happen in this way. Let's leave it there for now. And until next time, I'm John Bwery with Dr. Lucy Jones and you, Getting Through It. Getting Through It is a production of the Dr. Lucy Jones Center for Science and Society. Visit us online to get past shows and become a supporter at patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com and search Dr. Lucy Jones. Our music is performed by Josh Lee and this closing music is written by our own Dr. Lucy Jones. <laughs>